0: Listening to the freewheeling podcast. I'm Abby Mickey and I'm joined by Gracie Elvin. Gracie, hello.
1: G'day, g'day from Fair Australia.
0: Lauren Rowney.
2: Good morning. Queen Morgan from Misty, Mel- uh, Misty Melbourne? Misty Belgium. <laughs>
3: <laughs> if only. <laughs> and Amy Jones. Are we all Australian this morning or what? G'day.
1: <laughs> I am Why so- not? It's a great country. <laughs> And in the spirit of Nationals, yeah,
0: it's true. Our most of our podcast is going to be about Australia,
3: so it totally makes sense. We're very Australian today. Yeah, sorry, but that was a bit out of context, wasn't it? Then me saying that with the before you introduced the <laughs> well, topic.
2: half the podcast is Aussie Commonwealth. We're all, common we're all Commonwealth because you're a Canadian,
3: correct? And proud,
0: proud of it, especially right now. <laughs> 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 but yeah, we're talking <laughs> We're talking about a ton of Australia stuff today. The Australian Nationals happened since our last recording. Crit Nationals and Road Nationals, so we're going to get into that. There was World Cup Cyclocross race, and we have updates on the... We're not really going to get into it that much. It's just kind of worth... Um, it could get us into trouble, so we'll just glaze over the TCA-CPA debacle. And then a conversation with Elisa longa Borghini about Audrey Cordon-Rugot. So let's dive into it. Let's start with the crit. Gracie, you did such a good job commentating. It was so awesome to hear your voice on there. Natural.
1: (laughs) You're a natural. Thanks. It was pretty fun. So as we talked a bit about last week, I got to have a bit of a warm-up at Bay Crits and I was so glad that I got that opportunity because I was still pretty nervous for nationals. It's just like a bit bigger and more people watching and I'm um, with a cycling legend in his own right even though he's not a pro matthew kenyan kenan the uh, tongue tied tonight so that was pretty cool to be in the commentary box with him and commentate the women's and the men's crit on the friday night
0: and it was a pretty exciting race i mean uh the course lends itself to only so much excitement with the the hot dog style course but i think in general it was just awesome to be watching road bike racing again
1: yeah for sure the the hot dog is the (laughs) controversially all of at least the crit and the road race uh, are very well talked about courses because they haven't changed for so long but to be fair uh they always are unpredictable and even though a hot dog circuit is boring, this particular one is deceptively hard because of the uphill drag to the finish line. It's actually quite long. So it's you run out of legs if you go too early. And so no matter what scenario, it is a small group, bunch sprint, less so solo breakaway, of course, but you have to time it perfectly. And it's such a drag race to the line and you have to have a lot of power as well as speed to do well on this course. So, yeah, it's always an exciting race in that way. And it's cool because I've had a bit of feedback saying that uh, riders have already gone back and rewatched it because we get to commentate the tactics of it all and they're using it as a learning experience. And that's something that we're seeing more and more of now is that you can go back and watch racing, women's racing, which has never happened. You've never been able to watch it live and you've never been able to watch it in a replay until the last few years. So I think it's brilliant that a lot of riders are using it as a tool now to go back and see, you know, what they did wrong or what other riders did well or, you know, all this stuff and teams are using it. So, yeah, that's really cool to hear that.
0: That is super cool. I mean, you can only see so much in in the actual race. Yeah, exactly. And as you remember,
2: Gracie, I think like the first years when you're racing, um, I don't know what your race preparation was like, but back then it was very much like looking at past results, looking at Google Maps and trying to, if you hadn't ridden the courses, try and see the hills or just reading race reports to try and figure out how the race unfolded. So you could sort of, Get an idea of how maybe the race would go that's sort of the preparation i used to do when i started but this is such a valuable tool that you can actually go back and just watch the race and see what happened but then uh, i was having a conversation with a friend yesterday and at least our experience with nationals is um there's two two things you're either super pleased with how you went or extremely disappointed so <laughs> um there was, like, just no in-between, I I always felt. Um, so this, this would be a really nice thing to do. And I know there's a bunch of young talent coming through, and it was a great opportunity um, for these young riders and just the – we spoke about it last week, the NRS teams to really show themselves because, um, you know, we didn't have that – the dominance that we usually have from, say, Team Bike Exchange, still called Bike Exchange – and just all the other resident pros.
1: Yeah, well, fun fact for the podcast listeners is Lauren Rowney's photo is on my fridge because she was on the podium with me for the Crit Nationals back in 2013. Lauren was second. Very strong sprint. My girlfriend was first. She rolled (laughs) me the line (laughs) just when Gracie was saying. Kimberly (laughs) Wells Uh, was the winner, but uh, I managed to squeak into bronze, which I was super stoked about. I think bronze is usually a happy person silver is the probably less happy person but fourth is probably still worse
0: (laughs) yeah third is like you could have done one better but you still wouldn't have won so you're still it's kind of like mm.
2: it was just it was also just a warm-up for gracie because then she went on to win the the big one we call it the road race i think in the commentary they said you know like yeah it's great to win the time trial of course and the criterium but The one to win that in that week is it's always the road race because you get to wear that national jersey if you're racing overseas as a pro, which actually we can discuss
1: um, day in, day out. I was going to say I was really stoked with the bronze because I actually was the only Orica green edge rider in that crit that year because... A lot of pros do tend to sit the crit out um because they're going to do the time trial or they just want to focus on the road race so I was a bit annoyed actually that none of my teammates wanted to come and have some fun with me and I didn't really know how fit I was um so I didn't know that I was going to win the road race let alone get a medal in the the um criterion so yeah really cool
0: how ironic that they all sat out the crit to stay like to be fresh for the road race and you raced the crit and won the road race (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I was just I was young, 24, and no one really thought that I was going to do much. And I think that's how you can do well, is you can be underrated. And um, yeah, if you're super fit, you can just kind of get away with it. But yeah, I had a target on my back after that.
0: <laughs> well, The Crit was won by Ruby Roseman Gannon, as we kind of predicted in the last episode, with Josie Talbot second and Peter Mullins of Rock Salt Lives Sram third and uh, Josie races for the Sydney Uni Staminade team, which interestingly, their kit is like actually a designer kit. Yeah. It's, which I learned from Gracie on the commentary of the podcast, of the I'll, race. I'll give him
1: another shout out today. He's a, a fashion designer that's design, uh makes beautiful dresses and has um, managed to dress many, very a-list celebrities like nicole kidman his yeah. name is yusuf akbar and he rides with the bunch rides with the sydney uni and he was just super stoked to design this kit so it's really nice when you have people from other industries kind of coming across to cycling and just making it that little bit more interesting
2: really what did not happen this year with the the World Tour team jerseys.
3: <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe Yusef wants yeah. to come spend some time with uh, some of the women's World Tour teams and their kit designers, or lack thereof.
0: We're getting really, really close to seeing the King Instagram kit. They're at Team Camp. Yeah, now.
3: because nave was
2: uh, in all in black, incognito. She was. Yeah.
0: yeah, and her jersey looked like it was a little too big for her. <laughs> She's very small. Those
1: with her. <laughs> Something that made me laugh today was um, Sarah Roy's Instagram story. Is she was like, uh, "Canyon tram kit under wraps." I do have photos of it on my phone. Who's betting that I'll accidentally leak it, like I've done in the past? I'm paraphrasing here. She her words were slightly different, but the same effect. Because on our team camp back in 2018 we were embargoed and she posted a picture of herself in her new kit. And yeah, it was leaked. So she got in a lot of trouble for that. <laughs> it was very funny at the time.
0: <laughs> Canyon Sram is so uh, a little bit neurotic about their kit reveal. I feel like she would get in a lot more trouble on that team. Even They're- Who actually makes their kit now? I believe that their kit is going to be a Canyon... Kit like canyon makes cycling clothing as well Mm -hmm. and i think that they're it's they're new to the clothing game but they're kind of
2: maybe tiff has designed it any gossip on that maybe
0: i don't know but that wouldn't be a terrible idea from canyon No, it'd be
2: fun if she got to for those who don't know tiff is is quite creative
0: yeah she did like all of uh botas's helmets Mm. like all f1 and they were pretty like they were cool they were really cool. She's also done a, she did a kit for Velocio at one point that was awesome. Yeah, and the early things, The, like, origami. Yeah, and they actually brought that back. Yeah, they did.
2: Was that Tip's design? Yeah. yeah, back, like, I think, 2015,
1: I reckon. Wow, I love it. I have the white version of that, and I wear it all the time. It's one of my Oh, favorites. did she
3: design that? I, I also have yeah, that. Yeah, the
1: original she did.
2: That was her idea. Um, cool. No way. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure she's done some stuff with
3: Rafa. Yeah. Yeah. Fingers in a lot of pies.
0: I remember talking to her for a podcast, like a year, two years ago, maybe. And it was before she had her incredible 2021. I mean, can you call it a comeback? Kind of. And she was talking about how she had like options outside of cycling, outside of racing. So I would assume that that has something to do with Rafa and the fact that she was wearing Rafa for many years and clearly has a talent for designing kits. So maybe she did. Fingers crossed <laughs> that it's not a fade. do not <laughs> be a fade. Oh, no. uh, and if it is,
2: the reason why they haven't released it is they quickly, like, they're they've changing changed it. it, you know. Working through the night to find a new design and... <laughs> Crowley will be the
1: origami jersey.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, anyway, let's talk about crit. Let's talk about crit. So it was, as we said, it was an exciting race. There was um, a lot of attacks from Matilda Reynolds and Amber Pate. Um, Amber was second in the time trial that we talked about last week. But uh, one of the big takeaways, I think, for me was Alexander Manley and her incredible performance for Ruby Roseman Gannon and the lead out that she did. Cause she, her lead out was long, long lead out. And as you said, Gracie, if Ruby had gone sooner on that false flat to the finish, it, she might not have won. She maybe still would have won, but, uh, Alexandra Manley really was a huge asset to Ruby in that. And they were, they were two, but there were teams in there that had nine riders. So they were not really the underdogs, but still very much outnumbered.
1: Yeah, for sure. I was actually surprised that the bunch wasn't more aggressive because Ruby Rosemann Gannon was the clear favorite of the day. She could win in a bunch sprint situation. And you certainly didn't want to have her in the group if there was a smaller group. Um, so there wasn't as many attacks in the first two thirds of the race as I was hoping from the small I want to say smaller teams but they were the main teams the NRS teams who had good numbers whereas Ruby and Alex were only two out for bike exchange Um, but yeah the break finally snapped off with uh, I think seven laps to go and it was initiated by a a good local rider from the Knights of Suburbia team, Lisa Jacob, who also raced quite well at Bay Crit. So she's relatively green, but it's really cool to see someone like her, you know, just being brave and just putting herself out there and riding that group, even though, like, all the favourites ended up joining her, um, such as Matilda Reynolds and Josie Talbot. Uh, Of course, Ruby was there. Neve Bradbury for Canyon Tram, Peter Mullins and our uh, youngster, Anya Lowe, who I'm really excited about. She's um, an up-and-comer and she was the one that took out the under 23 jersey in the time trial and the criteria. Um, and then in the last few laps was when Amber Pate, the inform uh, TMX make uh, Matilda Reynolds' teammate jumped across and she rode Alex Manley across to the group, which is arguably a mistake. But it made for a really awesome finale. And like you said, Alex Manley was the ride of the night. She she actually did follow quite a few attacks. So I, I'm not saying that there weren't attacks in the earlier part of the race. It just wasn't as many as I was hoping. And Alex pretty much had everything significant covered. She managed to get jump across to that main group in the finale. She covered a couple more, more attacks and then just did this ripper lead out. And Ruby was so gracious in the post-race interview just saying everything about alex at how good she is but also that they can kind of read each other's minds and i think that comes from a lot of track racing and they have raced together over the years so they're already in sync now that they're on the world tour team together they're still Like Ruby's really young still and Alex is still relatively young. She was one of the most reliable writers that I've ever been a teammate with. And I think, Lauren, you might have been on the team with Alex Mm -hmm. for a few years there too. And she's the sweetest girl that you'll ever meet. She's really smart. Um, Once we trained her out of uh, saying sorry all the time, (laughs) she she came out of her shell and she will always be there if she can be in a race. And now she's super strong from a few, like many years of racing and she's had to do a couple of years focusing on the track for Tokyo. Now she can, you know, focus on herself a little bit more. And I think she's going to be a really amazing road rider and someone that Ruby can rely on.
2: I actually think the combination of um Alex, Ruby and Georgia is going to be pretty good um, in the sort of spring classics campaign because uh for those who don't know alex and georgia are very good friends um off the bike and they've been very close during the track program and like gracie was just saying they they know how each other rides so that combination of the three i think will be really great for bike exchange and then hopefully to neil campbell can sort of get in the mix there and they'll have um
0: strong
1: core squad yeah i agree
0: and then the road race was on sunday early correct so, yes early slash so midnight kind of <laughs> yeah. and it was another exciting race that kind of there was there was moments there when I turned it on where I was like this break it has a, there was a break of two I believe that were up the, off the front that had a pretty big gap for having they had two of the main teams in there and there's really no one to chase but it did reshuffle at some point and then the final Five kilometers were really exciting and um, we'd picked Grace Brown for the win but she ended up second behind Nicole Frain, who went for like a lat uh, who went for a late race attack and managed to hold everyone off with Alyssa Politz
1: another new rider I believe yeah I think she was a surprise performance of the day probably not surprising to her teammates and people she trains with but Certainly not one picked for the podium in the elite race. Definitely for the under-23s. But, yeah, pretty cool to see someone mixing it up with the big girls. Mm
0: -hmm. And uh, the winner, Nicole Frayne, she did a little bit with TIBCO Silicon Valley Bank last year. So she was part of the world tour scene a bit last year. She did a couple races with them. Roubaix, didn't she, I think? Mm -hmm. Yeah. She did uh, the women's tour Perry Paris-Roubaix. And uh Drent, Drenta Act is in a world tour race, but the Drenta, Ronda Van Drenta weekend, mm-hmm. um, so that final final weekend, her late race move was, she's part of the Rocks Out Live SRAM team, and they were just on it all day. I mean, they always had someone in the move or attacking or doing something. And by the time she attacked, it was like Grace Brown and Ruby Rose and Gannon just couldn't the, it, they only have, so, they they can only do so much as single riders, right? And Alexander Manley was dropped, but had just gotten back in the group at that point. So she would have been chasing in Or I don't know if she was working to chase because she had someone with her, but still once you're dropped from that group, you do have less to give. So it was kind of a perfect timing for Frayne to attack. And it was a good... Good finale.
2: I'm sure Gracie can has got some good comments on the last five
1: kilometres. <laughs> yeah, I just think the kudos to the Rock Salt Live Shram team. I really want to pump them up because they have a great team. Um, they've been around for 10 years now. Um, they've raced lots in Australia, but they've, you know, funded riders to go over to the States and a lot of great riders have gone in, on, on to bigger and better things. But They didn't have to take responsibility for the race yesterday, um, but they did. And I think they really did a good job. They always were on the front foot. Uh, My dark horse for the day was Emily Herfoss, and she was away solo for quite a few kilometres. She's a mum. She's got a one-year-old daughter. So to see her back in that kind of form is really impressive. Uh, and then there was a, a newcomer, relative newcomer to the sport in Tilly Field, and she had a really great ride too. So, um, yeah, she was the one that was away next for the team once her force had been caught. She'd, she'd done a lot of work all day. She was with Matilda Reynolds, and then it all came back together in that final lap. I felt for Grace Brown um, being one out, it would have been really difficult to have all that pressure and the, the target on your back. I did really want her to win. I thought she would have been uh, an amazing representative in the green and gold this year. But, you know, I said to her bigger things are coming. So she's not done yet this year. She's going to do something impressive, I think. But, yeah, I think Nicole Frayne just read that perfectly and that's super difficult to do. I just want to state how difficult that is to time that kind of attack in the back end of a race that that hard of a race after nine laps of that particular course I've probably done 150 laps or more in my time and it's like it doesn't actually look that hard on tv but that climb is pretty hard and it's way you. yeah and like Chloe Hosking has never won on this course and that kind of tells you that it's a difficult course it's not a pure climber course but you you know you have to you have to be super fit to survive it and to be, to be able to be in a decision-making um, state at the end of that race too. So I think you can survive it, but you also have to think too. And when your body's done, your mind's also done. So Nicole was obviously very fit. I think she didn't have the time trial she was hoping for. So to turn it around mentally too was really cool. Uh, and just I think I read somewhere, I think it was on Rachel and Instagram that Nicole had counted attack from rachel and just to see that moment appear and nicole said in her post-race interview that it wasn't particularly planned but she just knew she needed to take an opportunity like that and she did and that's really tough because you're always doubting every move you make in a race but in that last kind of part of a race you're so tired and you're thinking i don't know if like it's worth it all the favorites are here i'm just going to get chased down But on the other hand, they all looked at each other and that was the opportunity and Nicole rode away with it. So, yeah, it was the mistake of everyone else to not keep jumping on it. You still have to keep spending energy to make up for it later. Um, But, yeah, it was incredible to see that. And I was on the – I'd managed to get down to the start-finish line because I was up on the hill for – half the race doing some commentary up there and I was literally shaking I was so excited like I do sometimes when I watch races on tv I'm shaking because I just get so into it but I was like fully shaking and I knew that I had to give the finish line interview too so I was like I didn't know who I wanted to win but it was just so exciting like I was like full fan mode
3: (laughs) on the subject of um Chloe Hosking never having won on that course as you said earlier Did you see her post on Instagram about this? I just wondered what you guys thought about it. I haven't seen it, but
2: um, there's been a lot of, uh, you can tell about it, a a lot of discussion about why the course hasn't changed for how long, Gracie? Over 10 years now, I think.
1: More. Yeah. Probably 15 15 years. 15 years. Maybe 14 or 15, yeah.
2: Whole career.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. She essentially said, this is the first time in my career I haven't been home for road nights with increasing reluctance. I've participated every year since 2009. This would have been my 14th year. Um, And then she says a national championship should reflect the diversity of the sport and the riders who participate in it. The Australian road nationals do not do this. Um, It's longer than that, but that's the gist of it essentially.
1: Yeah. I actually agree with Chloe, even though I've won on this course before. Um, I believe that Chloe should have won a national elite title in her career. She's not just one of the best Aussie riders in this current generation, but she's also one of the world's best sprinters on a good day. So to not even have been able to win a national title, I think is a bit unfair. And there's a lot that goes into running a national championships. There's a lot of money involved and a lot of community engagement. And it's really in Australia, it's still, it's not a big sport per se. So you have to, find the town that wants to host it, that, that they have a community that's happy to have the event there and then be able to fund it. So whether that funding is coming from the state government, local councils, other big sponsors, it's actually a really difficult thing to do and Cycling Australia has really um, had this really great relationship with Ballarat and the Bunning Young community to keep this event going. Um, so why can't they have... A course in the same area but just not on the same course it doesn't have to go to a different city completely if they can't find the right city but at least make a different course but you know in a, a year that we're having a world championship in Australia how cool would it have been if we could have done a test event on the Wollongong course
2: yeah exactly yeah
0: that would have been really cool
1: yeah that would have made
2: perfect sense perfect yeah. sense but um Yeah, I I agree with Chloe on this one as well. Um, It's a bit sad. I think it's the only nation in the world who does this. Um, But like Gracie just said, there's reasons behind it. There was one year in the 14, 15 years that it's been in Bunningham that they did a slight variation of the course. 2013, they actually incorporated, I think, two big laps. And I believe we only went up the hill, um, the full hill, seven times or six something like that and it made for us yeah a slightly different race but there isn't any other reason I can think of that they can't just adapt it a bit other than the fact spectators just love love this race because it is like Gracie said it is brutal um you know for, for the men and the women and it just it really it eats away at you Uh, That course, your legs and your head, because you're thinking to yourself like, if you're not feeling good, say, in the first couple of laps, and you're thinking, I have to get through this 10 times, and then still, like Gracie mentioned, be able to think how to potentially win the race. It's exhausting, but it makes for I've been there on the sidelines. It's a really fun day out. And I think that's sort of the draw card to it is it always produces an exciting race, whether it's one in a small group or a solo finish, you you just can't predict what's what's going to happen. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I hope for Chloe. I, I don't think it will. It will change in the next couple of years, but I think they've secured that race now for, I saw an announcement last year or the year before until at least 2024 or so.
0: Yeah, I remember seeing something along those lines. And
2: in the interest of Paris, which, I mean, it's not going to be um, a climber's course, I don't think, knowing the area of Paris. Um, Yeah, wouldn't it be cool if the the road nationals course kind of reflected what the, the Olympics course could be? Just an idea.
0: Yeah, and who knows, maybe Chloe would stick around through Paris. I think she should. Mm-hmm. Should we talk some cyclocross? Switching yeah.
1: gears. Give Amy some time.
0: Yeah, uh, put Amy on the spot. Amy, what uh, happened uh, over the weekend?
3: I'm w- wake up, Amy. Right, okay. Um, What happened? Uh, there was a a World Cup, <laughs> cyclocross World Cup. Not in Belgium. Uh, was this not the, in the, Belgium.
0: Yeah, in France. Was this the final World Cup of the year?
3: Me and my brief interest... In cyclocross, extending only to when I'm physically at the. No, I'm joking. I actually do like it. Um, yes, it was, um, but none of the. Well, very few of the the big hitters were there. Um, presumably preparing for Worlds, but Lucinda Brand still managed to win the overall, even though she wasn't there. Um, but the main kind of. It it was the time for the young riders who maybe hadn't been right up there as much to have a bit of a ding dong at the front of the race, which was great (laughs) to watch, so... What What was I love that? (laughs) (laughs) Ding dong, not a British thing, just like a one, the two of them going at each other. Well, all right, I'll never remind me never to do commentary.
1: Um, (laughs) no, I think you'd be great. I would love it. I just want want to give you a tip definitely one or two prosecco's, and you're really good.
3: (laughs) Oh, yes,
1: yes, yes,
2: yes. The Christmas, yeah, I can get on board with that. Christmas edition,
3: (laughs) me rocking up for my job, like. A bit half caught. Uh, yeah. It's
2: totally acceptable it. to have mimosas
1: in the morning, Amy. So just say you. I'm pretty sure Amy, from the fan feedback, they love it. Yeah. How do
3: you know I'm not already.
1: The fans love it, Amy.
3: They do. All right. Who was? No, You've but it was Amy's alter
1: ego, Debbie. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Literally my mom. <laughs>
2: Bring back Debbie. You know what? I think Debbie should be on the ground at um, cycling races.
0: I agree. That would be great. <laughs> Just give Debbie like a little handheld recorder and send her off to the races with the bottom. rocking the up seco. to the mix
3: zone, like a bit wobbly. Everyone's like, "Oh no, here comes Debbie. She's
1: <laughs> some Irish coffee."
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you're already of those, you don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, youngest podium ever, I think, in a cyclocross World Cup on the women's side. Um, in great battle between Puck Peters and. Um, Femme van Paul um it was a shame without sounding biased. it was a shame that Park Peters didn't manage to get the win. She was pipped on the line basically by F- yeah, yeah, at one point it did look like I think the the commentator actually called um Park at one point and then Femme, like came round her last minute um and then yeah, Catablanca Vast in third, so. That's all I have to say. It was sunny at the race. I was very jealous of that. I
2: saw some riders
3: weren't was even not wearing arm warmers, and that that
2: hinted to me this mustn't be Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> Although some of them are really what tough. What foreign right? land is this? Yeah. <laughs> There's sun. <laughs> what is sun? <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, it looked like a nice course actually yeah. by the by the sea, wasn't it? It had a, a
2: castle or some sort of a castle. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah yeah france normandy yeah. the next big cyclocross race is the world championships coming up
3: uh there's an x2o trophy i think before that but yeah i guess yeah
0: but big, big do we know big, what okay. the course is like? no
1: offense to x2o trophy
0: i
3: don't think so
1: i yeah i've only seen memes of it going through a walmart
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: imagine if it did no guys i knew it it wasn't the last world cup there's
0: Oh, yeah,
2: you're right. See? So I'm guessing... Debbie's
3: not so shit after the,
2: all. like, Voss, Lucinda, betsama they're all going to rock up for this last
0: the one. The
3: Heider. Well, actually, yeah, so that's... Um, yeah, it's the weekend before Wills. so it'd be interesting. It's, th- it's this weekend. Um, huh, I wonder and Will's is next weekend. Yeah, yeah, because you'd reckon that they'd want to get out there and, you know, get over the jet lag and yeah the rest of that. So... I mean, I suppose they could do it and then fly straight there and they'd still have like five. They should
2: have just had days, the last but... World Cup in the States. Wouldn't that have made sense? Or maybe. It'd be-
3: yeah, instead of those early ones last year, yeah. that would have made more sense, I guess. But this is cycling where things don't make sense. Yeah. That's so. true. <laughs> um, I'm- yeah, but then uh, that's. But that's stuff.
0: like an iconic cyclocross r- race. Hugaida. Hugaida, yeah. Yeah
3: mm-hmm
0: is that the one with the sand that's coxator
3: that's coxator oh, right
0: right okay i'm also new to the cyclocross fandom so. i've
2: been to Coxader. um yeah i went pre covid times so when there were like massive crowds and um yeah the full-on cyclocross atmosphere and trying to shebang. get to the start like i learned a lot in that experience either take a bike or prepare to hike for 20 minutes or so. No way. Yeah. And I I was like this is actually when my friend Jack was visiting. I'm like we're going to park here and hike through this nature zone and we'll be there in 10 minutes. Little did I know it was like a military area and you weren't allowed in there. So we jumped the <laughs> fence anyway.
3: Because we <laughs> didn't commando roles.
2: pretty much. Otherwise yeah. we were going to miss the miss the start of the race. But um I highly recommend um Going to any of the races, but that was that was fun with the sand pit.
3: You know what? I think I preferred my paired back cross experience from the sounds of things. Like fewer people, much more space.
2: Oh yeah, like I said, you have to claim your spot and hold it. And yeah, that's it doesn't matter if you're a woman or a child. You a will f- get frightened out of prospect.
3: the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh no.
2: Okay. Well, just put, like, a pillow underneath you and pretend you're pregnant.
0: Maybe that will work.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Amy's like, or I could just I join 100%. the freewheeling
3: trend and actually, like, pop one out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could. No. For the record, that's not happening this year.
0: <laughs> Sam doesn't listen to the podcast. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll be running for the heels. <laughs> Cycling <pumpkins. laughs> <laughs> really quick before we kind of wrap up, there after we recorded the podcast last week, there was more news from the Cyclist Alliance um report of the prize money. Uh centralized prize money thing, um, which was basically the CPA threatening to sue the TCA or TCA for the report. The whole thing was wild. Uh we really don't have to talk about it a ton, but I thought it was worth mentioning because we talked so extensively last week about the whole centralized prize money management system <laughs> and the CPA. So yeah, the the Cyclist Alliance posed questions. The CPA's response was to threaten to sue them for defamation. So that was fun. That was a funny
3: under the title Fake News Alert. Fake news alert. I mean Yeah. So that was really original. It's...
1: I've never seen that before. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Martin. Hmm. Who uses uh, that kind of rhetoric? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, let's not get ourselves sued.
0: Yep. I wrote a piece on it. So if anyone wants to read it, I will I'll link it in the show notes. And for the final chunk of this episode, I chatted with Elisa Borghini about... Audrey Cardon Rago, her very long-time teammate, um, uh, for our Unsung Heroes series on domestiques in the peloton. So let's hear from Eliza.
4: Yeah, as you probably know, um, one of my best friends is uh, Audrey, and she's one of the best, uh, the best domestics. Uh, so. Um for me she's one one of those people that were always uh surrounding me um and really supporting me in my in my successes. Uh so I would I would mention her uh her dedication for uh, for the others and for, for the work that she's always putting for for the others.
0: And you've been teammates with her for many years at this point, right?
4: Yeah, we've been teammates uh, since 2014, and I still clearly remember the first day I met Audrey. <laughs>
0: uh, what was it like the first day you met her?
4: Um, yeah, uh, I remember going into into this um, into this um, uh, into this room in a hotel in a very strange hotel in Benidorm, and I found this this French girl who was really not talking English almost, and, uh, she was always playing Candy Crush. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it was really funny because I think we were in a Norwegian team and we were only, th- yeah, almost the only two l- Latins one, uh, and they put us together and immediately we felt, yeah, we felt like there was a bound and, uh, yeah. It was it was really nice and um it was it was cool to get to know audrey and uh it was at times difficult to speak to her but i i do speak a, li- a little bit of french so we could get along with some french with uh, uh then with with english and then with you know with hands also <laughs> but uh <laughs> Then I, I have to say that she's incredibly good in uh, in learning a language. Uh, and I would say that now she speaks a better English than me. So uh, sh- she quickly picked up all the all the words and uh, she did an effort also to learn English because she was always there with her uh, vocabulary, checking the name of this and that and that the other in English. Uh, and so straight away she started talking and yeah, she's really talkative and, and friendly, so all in, sudden, all in a sudden. She was talking to everybody in fluent English.
0: Um, how has she developed as a domestique in the time that you've known her?
4: Um the yeah, the the, the more uh, the more time we spent together, uh the more Audrey became stronger too, and uh um she she went first for yeah. At the beginning, she also added the, of course, did the, the chances for herself. But then, going into bigger and bigger team teams, she she was always given the the task to help the others, and uh, she really adapted to this. And yeah, right now you don't even have to tell her what what she has to do. She knows exactly what she has to do and. She has also this strong character that makes her to be the team captain many times. Uh, She can read really well the races. um, And this has uh, gotten better uh, with the age, (laughs) with the seasons. Uh, And so she she can kind of direct us and give us good motivation, good morale. And whenever you need her, she's there.
0: Do... have any races in particular where she did anything that was like truly incredible to help the team
4: but you know with Audrey she's always there she's always there even when she's not there and I would I would take Flanders as an example because she's always part of the team uh, in when I won Flanders in 2015, uh, she was sick in her bed, and eventually we were riding for Audrey because she was so sad not to take take part into the race that we were like, okay, we need to ride for her. And uh, I also really remember when I uh, when I when I finished the race, she was one of the first people that I that I've been call, calling. Um, and then yeah, every time there is a job to do. She's there. She's she's always there. I don't I don't have a particular race because she's always there.